Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, we're going to talk about comfort, not Southern comfort. It ain't that kind of podcast. Uh, We're going to talk about comfort. This came to me because one of you reached out via email at leoflowers2000 at gmail. If you want to email me questions or topics that you want me to cover, uh, please send it over to me at leoflowers2000 at gmail because today's topic is the result of an email request about comfort and its relation to mental health and mental wellness. I, I was like, wow, I had never thought about comfort. Actually, I have thought about comfort because there seems to be a a trend of books, podcasts, speakers that are talking about how we as a society are becoming way too comfortable. And and that's contributing to our depression, our our mental uh, struggles, our, our obesity epidemic, our back pain, our inflation. Like they just... They're saying the fact that we are comfortable is causing everything. It's causing global warming. That's uh, why your dad left. They're just, they're just racking up charges against us being comfortable. And they're like, this is, this is the problem with society. We're all a bit, we're just all kicking back with our legs up. Now, what is the definition of comfort? The definition is a state of physical ease and freedom from constraint or pain. Now, who doesn't want to be free from pain or constraint? I don't want to feel constrained. I don't want to be constrained. I don't want to be in pain. Right now, I have sciatica going down my right leg. I don't want to feel that. I'd rather be comfortable, right? I haven't been able to enjoy a movie in a while because the sciatica, I have to keep getting up and stand. I have to keep standing up, sitting down, stretching, doing all these things. But What's cool is because of the sciatic pain, I'm reading more books because I'm I'm like walking and reading versus sitting and watching movies. And then I'm actually getting a few more things done. So this sciatic pain has been a way of nudging me into more activity and also getting more things done. But let's get back to comfort. And it's, it's wild that I received the email yesterday because then I go to the bookstore today and one of the books that jumped out at me is a book by Matt Haig called The Comfort Book. So throughout this episode, I will read you three different passages from the book. And I'm going to start off with the first one. It's called Baby on page five. Quote, imagine yourself as a baby. You would look at that baby and think they lacked nothing. That baby came complete. Their value was innate from their first breath. Their value did not depend on external things like wealth or appearance or politics or popularity. It was the infinite value of a human life. And that value stays with us even as it becomes easier to forget. We stay precisely as alive and precisely as human as we were the day we were born. The only thing we need to do is exist and to hope, end quote. I love that 
I love that because it's true. We are, are when we're a baby, we just love the baby for who it is, and then as we get older. Uh, we start loving people for what they do or what they've accomplished. And then we turn that lens on ourselves also where we only feel like we're worthy of love because of what we've done and what we've accomplished. And I'm guilty of that. Like I, there are days where there's some shame and guilt around not getting all the things done. I want it off my checklist. Right. But I get that because there is, there is a consequence of being too comfortable. Right. We don't want to be too comfortable. If we get too comfortable, then that could lead to stagnation and a lack of growth, right? Where Whether we're in a job, a relationship, a lifestyle, when we get too complacent and resist change, we might miss out on opportunities for personal and professional growth. When we embrace challenges and step out of our comfort zone, which is sometimes necessary for us to learn develop and reach more of our potential. And I don't even want to say, a lot of people say reach your full potential, but I'd rather say explore more of our potential to see what else we are capable of, right? So there we, as, as great as it is to be comfortable, and we'll get into reasons why we want to be comfortable for our mental uh, wellness, but first I want to explore why we don't want to be too comfortable because the other uh you know the other trade-off i don't want to say downside the other trade-off of being too comfortable is that we can then risk over dependence right where we can uh, over rely on certain people or individuals or an environment or a routine and that can be risky because life is inherently dynamic if unexpected changes occur, such as a job loss or a relationship ending, we could be overly dependent on that comfort zone and then may struggle to adapt and cope with the new circumstances. So we have to be aware of being overly dependent on someone, whether you're, you know, if it's someone's making all the money and you're staying home, we could at least be planning you know, maybe you can't take action steps right now because of your situation, but you could at least be thinking about it and initiating conversations with people about how to gain more, I don't want to say independence, but to be more interdependent so it's not completely, so it doesn't feel lopsided, right? And then the last trade-off that I want to share with you about being too comfortable is that it diminishes our resilience, right? Oh, if we live in a constantly comfortable life, uh, it may stop providing opportunities for us to develop. There's this Indian tribe that every nine years, no matter where they were, they would pack up everything and go. And the reason for that is they didn't want the younger generation to get too comfortable. They wanted them to be able to fend for themselves, to, to hunt, to fish, to build, have community. They also wanted them to be hungry and learning and exploratory and curious uh, so that they kept their uh, senses sharpened. I was just at, uh, Michelle and I were at a um, friend's Halloween, or Halloween, 
Christmas party. And one of our friends there t- was talking about her father and how he makes his own wine and he cans his own vegetables. He grows his own vegetables and then his wife cans them. And I sat there and I was like, wow, I have no idea, one, how to grow my own food, two, how to can my food. Because when you can food, it can last for years. It can last for for almost, I I don't want to say ever, but maybe forever. There was a story about uh, people in Antarctica who were stranded for years. And they found this shack that had been built previously. And fortunately, there were some canned goods in there that helped uh, um, keep them going. So I was like, this is a skill I would love to have because heaven forbid, uh, you know, things go south in the world or whatever, like maybe knowing how to, how to can goods comes in use. Definitely maybe knowing how to grow food, right? Like these are just things I feel like as a person I want to learn that would make me actually more comfortable with the the dynamic of or the ever changing landscape of our of our future of the world, right? So, why do we want to be comfortable? What 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 what's the benefit of being comfortable? How does that affect our mental health, our mental well-being? Why do we want to be comfortable? One, being comfortable it reduces stress, right? When we're in a comfortable environment and have comfortable experiences, then we can relax. Our shoulders drop. We feel at ease, right? Our our breathing's a little deeper. We can zoom out. Our eyes soften. uh, And then our hormones, like cortisol, those things kind of decrease. And and it's it's beautiful. Like we feel like we can be. We're not on alert. Our, Our head's not on a swivel. Eyes not going side to side. We're not jumpy. Stress reduction, there's a, a sense of serenity and peace, and, and we laugh a little bit more, a little bit louder, right? All these things associated with stress reduction. Our, our, our mind starts to coagulate ideas, right? And, and then there's that emotional regulation that comes with that, where now we can actually start to self-soothe ourselves. We can we can talk ourselves down. We can remind ourselves that, hey, we're not in a threatening situation. We're actually in a very safe and secure environment. And then when we feel that, when we feel comfortable, when we feel that level of comfort, that safety and that security, and we can remind ourselves that we are in an actually safe and secure environment, then we tend to expand more and share more and open up more. We can be more vulnerable. And we're more vulnerable, then we can be more intimate and honest with the people around us. I mean, imagine someone in jail. Their stress levels are at a 10. Not all of them, right? But the lower you are on that totem pole in jail, the more your stress levels uh, will go up. And I would imagine if you're at the top, you're stressed too because now you got to stay at the top. But, um, but, but you know, they're not, they're not going to be that emotionally open with each other. Actually, I had a friend who was in prison, and he said that he had never shared so much as he shared with his uh, with his uh, cellmate, because you know, a twenty four seven lockdown. Sometimes there's nothing else to do but to talk, and he said that was the best therapy he ever had 
and um and he's like I, I he's hasn't been able to find a relationship like that since so i share that with you to say that fear that you have of oversharing of over talking when we overshare and over talk i don't want to say over talk over talk is like talking over someone which is not cool but oversharing that allows us to find our people quicker to find our tribe sooner so open up let the you know dump it all share it all because the people who want to mess with you they'll mess with you and the people who don't deuces cool we're not here for everybody we can't be here for everybody like listen there's eight billion people on the planet the rock got like 25 million followers he ain't got everybody it seemed like everybody loved the rock but there's some people don't like the rock like some people don't like will smith right so it's cool. We can, we ain't here for everybody. Um, so going back, emotional regulation, safety, security. And with that, with that feeling of comfort, right, we improve our sleep. You're not sleeping if you're worried about um, the baby being sick or if your mattress sucks or if the room is too cold or too hot. Um, if you, if you, if you haven't eaten or maybe you did eat, but you ate something that disagreed with you, like all these things, when we are physically, emotionally, psychologically, socially, spiritually comfortable, we get a good night's sleep. And then that helps us to, to even better regulate our moods, improves our cognitive function and just our overall well being. And then the next day, guess what? You wake up. And you got that enhanced productivity, right? You're kicking butt. You're able to concentrate. Um, and, and I want to backtrack a little bit. Because when I talked about safety and security, sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we're in a safe and secure environment. Even in bed, at night, uh, when I go to bed, my, my mind can be racing. I can have these thoughts that are trying to escape from me. And I have to remind myself, hey, Leo, you're in bed. You're done for the day whatever will happen will happen. And then I just start doing a body scan of connecting with my toes and my ankles, and my knees and my hips and my belly and chest and arms and fingers, palms, wrists, neck, nose, forehead, eyes. And I could feel myself just melting into the bed melting into the day or into the night <laughs> and all that all these things they combine the stress reduction emotional regulation improved sleep enhanced productivity and concentration actually able to sit with something and focus on it and think about it and work on it for uh, an experience uh, 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 for an extended period of time those things come when we are comfortable, right? Focus when we are comfortable. If you are, if you're a kid in school, and you're worried about the, the uh, a bully after school or bullies or uh, or whatever is going to happen to you, any type of abuse or attack after school, it's going to be hard for you to concentrate in school. It's going to be hard for you to focus to be productive, right? Um, and not that you can't be, but it, 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 you know, it creates a challenge. It creates a challenge for our concentration. So when we are comfortable, 
then we start to have these, it starts to have this positive impact on our relationships through communication, hanging out more, making plans. It, you know, we're just fostering trust and openness. And, and all of a sudden, we, we have these people that we feel like we can really lean on and, and put a note in that, lean on. Because at the end of this, uh, towards the end of the podcast, I'm going to talk about three books and three songs that helped me to feel comfortable. Ah, you see what I did there? And then the last two uh, benefits or trade-offs of feeling comfortable are, you know, this ties in what we talked about earlier. It gives us a sense of belonging, right? A sense that we have social support and connections. You know, I go for a walk um, in the morning. And like, and if you've been listening in, you know that Michelle and I just moved into this neighborhood uh, like a year ago. And it, it really was tough in the beginning to like make friends, make connections, at least for me, because I was traveling so much. And just recently, these people that I see who have never said two words to me, and I haven't said two words to either, now they're like, good morning, and they're asking me questions, and we're having conversations. And I have one friend who was like, uh, she sees me buying a newspaper, and she's like, you know, me and my husband, we get the, the Sunday paper. We never read it. I'll just drop it off. I was like, what? So now she's dropping off the Sunday paper, and I'm having... Now, because I keep going on a walk um, on the same route, I try to go around the same time, so I'm seeing the same people and then uh, becoming more familiar and then slowly building these relationships, these, uh, these lateral connections, as I've talked about in previous episodes. Now I, I have a stronger sense of belonging to the neighborhood. People know my name. They honk, they wave. I feel engaged, and and now I, I, you know, now I'm excited to go. Now it's not just about getting my ten thousand steps in; it's about walking, meeting people, following up with their story. Even this guy, I go into this bookstore every day. It's a Goodwill, and uh, one of the the workers there, he he sees me every day. I go in every day. But he looks at me as if it's my first day. He, he says hello with the same. I never get that look of recognition from him. And today, after a year of going into this bookstore, I walk in and he goes, hey, this, this really strange book came in today. I don't know what to make of it. What do you think? And I recognize that. And the reason why he shared that with me is because I'm always buying books in there, you know, and so I was like, oh, that, that's just his affect. That's just who he is. He's just kind of this, uh, it kind of has this stoic, melancholic uh, presence to him. But he's very much aware and in tune. But, but he, doesn't, he doesn't have those emotional highs and lows, right? But I, when I tell you I felt so seen and was so happy, that he said hi to me. It's it's so it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I just wanted to click my heels and be like, oh, he said hi to me, and I get I, I had a sense of belonging. Like he saw me. He's like, oh, you're the guy who reads books, 
I have this book that I think you'd be interested in. And it was an interesting book, but nothing that um, I, w- I was going to buy. But but that goes to him being comfortable with me, me being comfortable with him, and and then those two paths merging, right? And then the last thing I'll say about uh, comfort and, and why it's so great or the trade-off for our mental health is that um, it can be a coping mechanism in the face of challenges or difficulties, right? We may seek support from loved ones, engage in relaxing activities, or create a safe and comfortable space for ourselves. So there, there is no, um, you know, going back to what I was talking about earlier with this idea of like, oh, we're, we're getting too comfortable. Yes, too much of anything becomes its opposite. That's true. I was reading this article about activated charcoal, and it said that it's you know people are taking it for digestion and and all these different health benefits. But what people don't know is that activated charcoal uh, can also prevent the absorption of vitamins and minerals into your body, and also your uh, medication absorption. So everything's a trade-off. You just have to know. If I'm if I'm doing this, what's to trade off for that? So if you're feeling guilty about getting comfortable or being comfortable or making yourself comfortable, understand that it's a part of life. We need it for our wellness. We need it for our mental health. And now I want to get into the books and the and the songs that can promote. That sense of comfort for you. The first book I want to mention is by Frederick Bachman. It's a man called Uve or Ove or Uve or whatever. Uh, I'll read you the blurb. This heartwarming novel follows the life of Uve, a grumpy and isolated man who finds unexpected connections with his new neighbors. As the story unfolds, it explores themes of friendship, community, and the impact that human connections can have on an individual's life. The humor and warmth in the narrative make it a comforting and uplifting read. Now, I read this book, and I I will warn you, it starts off with him attempting suicide. Um, And obviously, if he follows through with it, I would not be recommending the book to you. But it is a beautiful book about how, you know, him wanting to end his life, and then starting to build connections with people in his neighborhood and finding value and becoming useful and, um, and connecting to himself. It's a, it's a really beautiful book. And Frederick Bachman also wrote Anxious People, which is another book that I loved. I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed Anxious People. They made a movie, I think it was on Amazon, at five minutes in, I was like, this is terrible. But the book I absolutely loved from beginning to end. Uh, the second book that I, you know, uh, I would recommend for reading, if you're trying to bring comfort to yourself, is The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupery. I'm, I'm butchering the last name, but The Little Prince. And I'll read you the blurb from this. This timeless classic tells the story of a young prince who travels from planet to planet, meeting various characters and learning valuable life lessons. The narrative is filmed is filled with whimsy, philosophy, and a sense of wonder. The Little Prince's journey and the insights shared in the book 
can be comforting and thought-provoking for readers of all ages. It, it's, a, it's like a 96-page book. It's written more for young adults or kids, but the story is beautiful, and I highly recommend it for anyone who just wants that quick read, that feel-good read, The Little Prince. And then the last one is The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society by Mary Ann Schaefer and Annie Burroughs. This novel is an epistolary tale set in the aftermath of World War II. It tells the story of a London-based writer who begins corresponding with the residents of Guernsey, an island occupied by Germans during the war. The exchange of letters and the themes of resilience, friendship, and love of literature make this a comforting and delightful read. So, and I've linked to all those in the show notes, so you can check those out. And then the three songs, because I love music. I was listening to this podcast about how to make a playlist, and, and I've done an episode previously about emotional playlists. And it was saying that, you know, you music is either to enhance the mood that you have or to set a mood, right? So it's either like if you're feeling happy, then you want to enhance it by playing more happy songs, you know, like Pharrell's Happy. And if you're, um, and if you want to feel happy, because you, if you feel sad but you want to feel happy, then you, you know, once again, you would play happy songs. Um, now, I would say if you're sad and you want to feel happy, I'd recommend first playing one to three sad songs, because first I, I need to play, I need the music to speak to how I feel. Right. If, if I'm struggling, I need struggle music. If I'm going through a breakup, I need breakup music. If I'm if I'm excited and elated, I need excited, elated music. I need the music to match how I feel. Right. And then if I'm sad, if I, after I, after I've gotten the three songs in and I've cried my eyes out, then I'm going to play songs that are more like uh, nostalgic right more from my childhood um just to just to kind of take me back because nostalgic music childhood music really helps me to feel seen heard and understood and and very comforted right where i'm like oh yeah i remember those times i would play like one or three songs of that and then and then i would play the like three really happy excited songs so i would play music of how I feel. This is if I'm sad. I would play a few songs of how I feel now and then a few songs of that take me back to my childhood because that's when I feel a bit more comforted. And then I would play songs for how I want to feel, right? If I want to feel excited or happy uh, or what have you or empowered, then I would play that type of music. So here are the three songs that I believe has soothing and comforting qualities. The first is Three Little Birds by Bob Marley and the, and the Wailers. This is a reggae classic by Bob Marley, carries a message of reassurance and optimism. The lyrics encourage listeners not to worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. The upbeat rhythm and positive vibes make it a comforting and uplifting song. This, I love Bob Marley. I'm always in the mood for reggae, right? Like, it's, 
I'm just anywhere, anytime, any place, morning, noon, night, always in the mood. Like I'm not always in the I remember I got in an Uber once and they were playing like gangster rap and it was like five or six AM in the morning. And <laughs> not the best choice, right? Uh the second song I recommend is Lean On Me by Bill Withers. If you if you've seen Lean On Me when you're not strong, I'll be your friend. I'll help you. Uh oh, let me stop before they <laughs> before they, they charge me streaming rights or something. But uh Bill Withers, I'll leave, I'll read you the blurb. Lean on me is a soulful anthem that emphasizes the importance of support and friendship. The lyrics convey the message that in times of trouble, one can lean on others for strength and comfort. The soulful melody and Withers' warm vocals contribute to the overall comforting atmosphere of the song. So once again, I've linked these songs in the show notes. You can just click and play. And the last one is, what a wonderful world. It could be, uh, I just butchered that. Oh, what? I forget it. <laughs> it's a What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong's timeless classic celebrates the beauty of the world and the simple joys of life. The lyrics paint a picture of the wonders of nature and human kindness, creating a sense of comfort and appreciation. Armstrong's soulful voice and the uplifting melody make this song a choice of comfort and positivity. Uh, now, these songs with their soothing melodies and positive messages can provide a sense of comfort and reassurance, making them perfect choices for moments when you need a musical embrace. Ooh, who doesn't need a musical embrace? That little, that melodic hug. In Welsh, they have a hug called the quitch. I'm probably mispronouncing it. C-W-T-C-H. C-W-T-C-H. It's a sort of full-bodied hug you get that means you can melt into the support of another. Not just a hug, but a quitch. And that's the type of, of thing I'm seeking when it comes to music, movies, relationships, just life. That full-bodied hug, that immersive experience. I said I would read three passages from The Comfort Book by Matt Haig. I've only read one, so I'm going to squeeze both in right now. On page 194, it's titled The Cure for Loneliness. Quote, Loneliness is not an absence of company. Loneliness is felt when we are lost. But we can be lost right in the middle of a crowd. There's nothing lonelier than being with people who aren't on your wavelength. The cure for loneliness isn't more people. The cure for loneliness is understanding who we are. End quote. It's so true. Because... There's so many people who uh, they choose to self-isolate for years, decades, and they're fine. Uh, I don't want to say fine, but you know they they cope, they manage, they find a way to stay engaged and and be alive. And, and so you recognize that whether you can be in New York and still feel lonely, right? There's so many movies about people living in New York and can't find anyone and struggling to find a date or find friends or find connections and you can be with yourself 
and feel connected. I, I see people, you know, eating dinner by themselves or, um, you know, going to the movies. I went to the movies the other day by myself and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly because I didn't feel like I was a, by myself because everyone in there was laughing at the things I was laughing at. We were crying at the things. We were all crying together, laughing together, cheering together. So when you have that type of group think, then you, you dissolves into the, into the greater. So I really enjoyed that. And then the last one I want to read from Matt Haig, uh, Matt Haig's comfort book is on page 87 and it's titled The River. People talk a lot about flow, workflow, musical flow, yoga flow, life flow. If we are stressed about something, we might be advised to go with the flow. What does this even mean? In Siddhartha, Herman Hesse's novel about one man's spiritual discovery, he writes, the river is everywhere. The story is indeed partly centered around a river. The central character, Siddhartha himself, aims to live his life near a river that provides him with spiritual inspiration. The voice in the river teach him acceptance and spirituality. On the edge of suicide, he falls into a deep sleep and is saved by the soothing voice of the river that helps him discover a spirituality he'd never known. Later, the river teaches him that time is an illusion and that all his problems and pains are part of a larger fellowship of nature. Individual events mean nothing by themselves, but are part of a larger totality and can only be understood within the whole. This is what the river teaches him. For me, the flow of life is about accepting things as part of something bigger, accepting every molecule of water as part of the river. This comforts me when I have moments of torment or suffering. Pain is selfish. It demands full attention. But each moment is part of a totality. Each moment is a brushstroke in a painting. Let's say a painting of a river, which when we, see st when we stand back can be rather beautiful. I have had moments of pain so strong I wanted everything to end. But standing back... They're just shadows accentuating light. I hope this episode was a podcast that helped you to step back and recognize that your pain, your suffering are just shadows accentuating life, light. I hope you found comfort in today's episode. If you did, please take seven seconds and share it with one other person. You can always reach out to me at leoflowers2000 at gmail and, you know, just to reach out, just to say hi. Why not, right? Why not? Just say, I mean, you've been tuning in. You've been listening. I'll respond. I'll respond at least to the first one. I don't, I don't promise follow-ups. I'm going to let you know that now. Um, and then I'm getting on a, a cruise ship here pretty soon, so I might have limited internet. But I always promise to respond to the first one for now, right, early on. And um, because I want to hear from you guys. And if you have suggestions, ideas of episodes you'd like me to talk about, please share those. Uh, remember, this podcast, though, is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the 800 numbers. You can chat, talk, text, or you can go to thrivewithleo.com to work with yours truly. 
so that we can get to tomorrow together.